speeding bullets. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth justice and the American way. And now, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman. And now, you get a sermon instead. Ah, oh, you thought you were going to get an episode of Superman, but you get a sermon. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Look up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, no, it's Superman. If that doesn't get your blood pumping and your heart thumping this early in the morning, then I don't know what's going to. But uh, as, I, as I watch that, as I think about uh, what that's about, as I uh, think about it with my twisted theologian brain, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, I, and, I, and I, I hear a question in that uh, that was kind of troubling me this week. I was thinking about this, and I was losing a little sleep on it. So I want to put, put this question out to you, and, and I want you to think about it. As we think about the, the people that are in that intro for Superman, I want you to think about what they're going through. I want to think about, you know, obviously they're not, they're not even characters in the show, but think of them as people, right? As real people, right? So uh, you have uh, one man who says, look up in the sky, and you have another man that says, it's a bird, and a woman says, it's a plane, and then somebody says, ah, oh, it's Superman. And my question for you is, what are those first two people so excited about? <laughs> it's a bird. It's a plane. I don't know. Have you ever seen a bird or a plane? What, what are you so excited about? It's a bird. Can you imagine if you uh, if you ran into that person on the street and they uh, look up in the sky? It's a bird. What would you do? You'd probably start carrying pepper spray with you or something like that. I, I don't know. These aren't the kind of people that I meet on the street, but I just think that's funny. And I think, like I said, with my twisted theologian brain. I think we can learn something from it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we think about why we're looking up in the sky. Why are they looking up in the sky? And what is this about? What are they looking for? What are they hoping for? What are they so excited about? What, when, you see, when you look up in the sky, what are you looking for? And you see that what they're looking for is salvation. What they have is hope. They finally have hope. They have a hope that they didn't have before. And you see that. And that's what Superman is about. Superman is the man of steel, the man that can bend steel with his bare hands, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a raging locomotive or whatever it says. <laughs> We've all seen it a million times. And we take it for granted. And we take that for granted, the excitement that they feel. You know, it's a bird! You know, we, how, how many times have we all seen that? We never thought about it that way. But you think about it as salvation, the hope for salvation. And, and so the question becomes, where, where do you look for salvation? What are you hoping for? Where do you turn when things get hard? Where are you looking for salvation today? Are you looking up in the sky? And, and it made me think of uh, Psalm 121. And it's, it's, uh, it's the lyrics of a song we're going to sing later. So it ties in really well. And um, 
the, the psalm goes like this. I look to the mountains, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? And it's that same question. Look up in the sky. Look to the hills. Where does your help come from? Where is salvation from? And what do you think about that? Why are they looking to the mountains? Have, has help ever come to you from the mountains? Why do you think they're looking to the mountains? I think that part of it, and I could be wrong, but um, if you look in Scripture in the Old Testament, they talk over and over again about the high places. And, and it's this kind of weird term that they don't really define because they all knew what it meant, but we don't know what it means in our time. The high places. And, and you know, if you read it for the first time, you'd be like, oh, well, I don't know what that means. But as you continue to read, especially in books like Chronicles and Kings, it talks about, um, and there was, a, there was a king, and they said his name, and then he says, and he did what was wicked in the sight of the Lord. And the high places were not removed. So what are these high places? So you see, uh, in that culture, in the cultures that surrounded the people of God, the, the cultures that surrounded Israel, they had these high places. And what it was, they would put the shrines of all the gods, that, the idols that they worshipped, they would put them on the highest mountains. Because obviously the mountain represented power to them. The mountain represented strength. So they would, they would build these high places. And the, the taller it was and the bigger it was, the more glorious it was to their God. And this is where they would look for their salvation. They would turn to the high places. So when you read Psalm 121, hear it. Say, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? Do I look to idols for my salvation? Where do you turn for your help? The psalmist says, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? And, and, and obviously that's what they were thinking. And they, but he turns it and he says, no. Because my help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. My help comes from the man, from the God that put that mountain there. My, my help comes from the God who will throw that mountain into the sea. This is where we look for our help. This is where we look for our salvation. Where do you turn for salvation? Where do you turn when things are hard? Where do you turn when, when things are rough? And we think the people from Metropolis are nuts. <laughs> but where do we turn? Where are we looking for salvation? We're the same way. We want the glory. We want the, the salvation that is tall. We want the salvation that represents strength. We want a man who can bend steel with his bare hands and look through walls. We want a man that can fly around the world and change the rotation of the earth. You know, it seems like there's nothing that Superman can't do as long as there's not kryptonite in the room. And that's the kind of salvation we look for. We want a God, we want a Messiah that comes riding in on a white stallion. We want a Messiah that's wearing shiny armor. We want a Messiah that isn't going to trip over the carpet when he's preaching. We want a Messiah that's going to save us from all the horrible things in our life. We want a Messiah that's, that's going um, to make everything better. But we don't get that white stallion Messiah. We don't get the kind of Messiah that we wanted. We get the one that's meek. We get the one that's humble. We get the Messiah that's riding on a donkey. He's riding into Jerusalem. And, 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 and as they say, Hosanna, in the back of their minds, maybe they knew already, and some of them did know, they were going to seek to kill him. 
We didn't get the Messiah that was riding in on a white stallion. We got this Messiah that rode to his death. And this is, uh, this is the Messiah that we preach. This is where our salvation comes from. Where does your salvation come from? Does it come from the hills? It comes from the maker of heaven and earth. But more than that, it comes from this meek Messiah. The Messiah that's more Clark Kent than he is Superman. And we think about that. Jesus Christ didn't come to reveal the glory and the majesty and the power of God, did he? Don't you think God could have done that in a much more dramatic way? He will, one day. But God came in Jesus Christ to reveal something else. The Messiah that's more Clark Kent than Superman. He came to reveal the love of God. And we see that in Jesus Christ. Where do you look? Where does your salvation come from? I can tell you where your salvation comes from. And it's not going to be what you thought. And it wasn't then. The, the Jews didn't get the Messiah they thought they wanted. They didn't get the Messiah they, they wanted, but they got the Messiah they needed. And you see, you, you're the same way. You're not going to get the Messiah you wanted, but you're going to get the Messiah you needed. Where does your salvation come from? Your salvation comes from my mouth. <laughs> it's, I get a couple sideways looks when I say that. Your salvation is in my mouth right now. Your salvation is the Word of God. The Word of God that's being spoken to you right now. When Paul says in Romans is that faith comes by hearing, by hearing the Word of Christ. What I speak to you right now is the Word of Christ. I speak to you the Word of God. I speak to you salvation. The Word of God is in my mouth as the preacher. A couple of months ago, uh, I preached a sermon um, that I'm re-preaching because I thought it, either I thought it was so great or I had no new ideas. Not really. <laughs> uh, but I, I was talking about what it takes to be a good preacher. Does anybody remember? No, that's fine. The <laughs> I, I, my pastor would say, um, sermons are like great meals. You know, your mom cooked you so many meals of your... Uh, over your childhood, you don't remember one of them, but every single one nour- nourished you. Uh, but I digress. Um, you, uh, what makes a good preacher? A good preacher is a man or a woman who has a big mouth and a long, bony, pony finger. <laughs> That's what makes a great preacher, a big mouth and a bony finger. And, and, and uh, <laughs> it's not charisma. It's not speaking skills. It's not... Ability to walk back and forth without tripping over the carpet. It's a big mouth and a bony finger. So where is your salvation? It's right here. I'm pointing to it. It's right there. I point and I speak the word. The word of salvation is in my mouth and I speak it. This is your salvation. It's the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. It comes by hearing the word of God. So why the bony finger? I point to my mouth, I point to Christ, I point to the cross, and I point to you. I point, you see Paul, he points to the Jews. You see that in the words that he gives. Hear the words Paul gives in verse 16. He's talking about the Jews in chapters 9 through 11. He's talking about salvation for the Jews. And as a Jew, he's greatly troubled because they didn't get the Messiah they wanted and they didn't, they didn't want any part of it. We don't get the Messiah we want. 
but we get the Messiah we need. Are you going to have ears to hear when the Word of God comes to you in a way that you don't understand, in a way that you never expected? They didn't get the Messiah they wanted. So he asks, he says, hear, hear, hear the words of Isaiah, but not everyone has welcomed the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? They heard and they didn't believe. Paul's exceptionally long, bony, pointy finger. He's pointing his finger at the Jews. Not, because they were the chosen people of God. We can't make an excuse for them. Can't let them off the hook. We try to. What if they've not heard, Paul asks. He says, but they have heard. Look at verse 17. The people of Israel have heard the message of the gospel, but they have not believed it. Well, maybe they didn't understand. Maybe the people of God didn't understand. The people of Israel understood. He says, yes, they did. For even in the times of Moses, God said, I will rouse your jealousy through people that are not even a nation. I will provoke your anger through these foolish Gentiles. And that's you. God says, I will provoke you to jealousy. And we see Paul pointing his bony finger in a way that makes us really uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. But this is what he's called to do as a preacher. He's called to point his bony finger. And you see that. You see him convicting with it. And, 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 and we don't want that. This is not the Messiah that we want. This is not the gospel that we want. But this is the gospel that we need. So I'm pointing my bony finger at you. And I need you to point your bony finger at me. And the gospel, the word of God is hard in that way. And it's not the gospel we want, but it's the gospel we need. The word that Jesus Christ speaks when he speaks to us, when he says, sell all your possessions and give it the money to the poor, is convicting. When he says, it's harder for uh, a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. That's convicting, isn't it? It's harder... For me, when he says, um, if you think you have not committed adultery, if you look at another woman with lust in your eyes, you've committed adultery. Jesus Christ points his long, bony finger. John the Baptist was really good at pointing his long, bony finger. He had the biggest mouth and the boniest finger around. And, and, and you see John the Baptist just laying into the people because that's his job as the preacher. And he points to the cross. He says, I need to diminish that Christ may increase. And you see the role of the preacher, and you see that the word of God in, in his mouth, or her mouth, is the gospel. It is salvation. Salvation comes to you in the word of God. Come to the cross today. The cross is the word of God. It's not the Messiah that you wanted, but it's the Messiah that you needed. It's not glorious. It isn't the white stallion. It's the, it's the humble riding on the donkey, Messiah. Come to the cross. It's the power of the gospel. It's the word of God at work. It's the word of God, contrary to what we wanted, but exactly what we needed. Desperate. That's where, that's where it leaves us. As, as God points his bony finger, as Paul points his bony finger, as John points his bony finger, as Jesus Christ points his bony finger at us, it leaves us desperate. And, and it's hard to understand because it's not the Messiah that we needed. Or the, not the Messiah that we wanted, but it's the Messiah that we needed to leave us desperate. And, and I see on your faces that that doesn't make any sense because it just doesn't fit with our thinking. 
And, 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 and that's okay. But it, that's why it's faith. That's why we need to trust what we don't understand. And, and uh, Psalm 131, it says, I do not con- uh, count myself wise. I do not concern myself with matters too great for me. And, and um, maybe this is part of that for now. But if you understand that when you're desperate, that's the only way that you know the depth with which you need Jesus Christ. Only in desperation can you see your need for the gospel. And so it's the duty of the preacher to point his finger and convict you so that you know how bad you need the gospel. Because as long as you have something else to rely on, as long as I am uh, rich, as long as I am powerful, as long as I am intelligent and good-looking, I will always... Not, yeah. No, not... <laughs> as long as someone is good-looking... They, they will rely on their good looks. As long as, as long as we have something else to rely on, we'll rely on that thing instead of the gospel. We'll rely on anything. We'll, we'll cling to anything rather than the gospel because the gospel is the one thing that's pointing that bony finger at us. And so it leaves, it, leaves us desolate. It leaves us desperate. It leaves us desperate for the cross. And the cross, there's no glory in it. There's nothing glorious about the cross. The cross is death. It's the death of God. And so we have this God that dies for us. And that God that dies for us is our salvation. We have a, we have a Jesus Christ that is so much more Clark Kent than he is Superman in the cross. And so we see the love of God in that. We see the love of God in the meek Jesus Christ who dies on the cross to save us. And it is not glorious, but it is powerful. And it is the thing that we need. It's the salvation. And it's the word of God. It's the word I'm speaking to you now. It's this word of God that saves you. Let it wash over you. Let it fill your ears. You who have ears to hear, hear the words of salvation today. Hear the gospel today. Paul says the power of the gospel is to save all those who believe. And it's not the word we want. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the downtrodden. What does this mean? What are these things that Christ speaks to us? This is the gospel. This is the gospel to you who are desperate. I know there are people here today who are desperate. Some of us haven't been there yet. And you need that bony finger to get you there. You need to realize how desperate you need to be for the gospel. But for those of you who are desperate, hear the words of Christ. Hear the words that the gospel is for you. Hear the words that in your desperation, in your desolation, in your brokenness, in your disease, in your lostness, in, in, in everything that conflicts you, in everything that, that stands against you, in the enemies that you see. You see the Word of God at work casting you at the foot of the cross, driving you to run to the foot of the cross. Run to the foot of the cross today because that is the power of the gospel. The Word of Jesus Christ is the power of salvation to those who believe. That's the power of the gospel. And that's what I want to speak to you today. And I want to, I want to sing, sing it to you too, <laughs> if that's okay with you. Um, I, uh, I, want to, I want you to hear and feel and know the word of God, the power of the gospel today.
will make a weak man mighty. He will make a mighty man for him. I will fill your heart and hands and leave you with leave you with nothing at all. His eyes for the blind His legs Legs for the lame His love exchange for hate His pride exchange for shame That's the power of the gospel That's the power of the gospel that's the power, that's the mighty power, yeah. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. Spirit hovering over the water. The gospel is for every land. Gospel is for everyone. Gospel is for every man. Gospel in the garden, the gospel in the tree, the gospel is a life for you, yeah. The gospel is a life for me, yeah. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power. That's the mighty power. Yeah. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. In your hour, in your hour need Gospel for all creation Comes from the gospel seed Now you may leave tomorrow You may leave today Got to have that gospel You saw tonight on your way that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. That's the pious, mighty pious. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. That's the pious, mighty pious. That's the power of the gospel. 
That's the power of the gospel That's the power of the gospel. That's the power, it's the mighty power. Yeah. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power. That's the power. That's the mighty power. That's the mighty power of the gospel. You might leave tomorrow. You might leave today. But you gotta have that gospel when you're starting on your way. The gospel is salvation for you. The gospel is salvation for me. The power of the gospel is in the word that's in my mouth. The word is Jesus Christ. Hear the word today and believe it. The word is for you. The gospel is for you. And Jesus Christ died for you. And that word, for you, is all that really matters. All that's going to save you. There's nothing else that you can rely on but that word, for you. And that's the power of the gospel. And that's why the preacher uses his bony finger most of all. Because he speaks that for you. He speaks that word for you. And you might hear that word for you. And you might think, no, that word is for the person next to me. You might think that that word is for somebody else. So that might be the word for you if only you've been something else. That gospel word is for you. It's for you here. It's for you now. And that's the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is that salvation has come for you. It's come for you like a thief in the night. It's come for you in a way that you never wanted, in a way that you never expected. The gospel has come for you. And that's the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is that it's not about who you are. It's not about what you've done. The power of the gospel is that it's about Jesus Christ. It's about the things that he is. It's about who he is. We have a God that is love. And what does that mean? The God is for you. The God is love means that God is for you. So hear that word today and know it. Believe it. Put your faith in it. The power of the gospel is salvation to all those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Put faith, 
knowing that the gospel is for you. Amen. Let us pray.